48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. Pan-Democrats call for public support in their battle with Beijing over their filibustering tactics in LegCo. A vice president of Beijing's top think tank on the SER says Hong Kong people should heed Beijing's comments if they value one country, two systems. And Donald Trump angri- angrily defends his handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Pan-Democratic lawmakers in LegCo have rejected criticism by the central government of their filibustering and say their actions comply with LegCo rules and the basic law. Pro-government and opposition lawmakers have been unable to elect a House committee chairperson for six months, prompting Beijing to accuse Pan-Democrats of breaching their oaths of office by filibustering meetings. Opposition lawmakers have in turn accused Beijing of meddling in local affairs and damaging the one country, two systems principle. Here's the camp's convener, the Civic Party's Tanya Chan. I'm sure that uh, the Hong Kong people uh, understand that the legislators from the Democratic camp are doing their very best and to answer and to respond to people's demand. And what we are doing is complied with Hong Kong law as well as basic law. So I can't see there is any possible way that we are not going to act in the same direction. So what we need is people's support. So please do support us and we will fight this battle. And even though it's an uphill battle. Earlier, legal sector lawmaker Dennis Kwok said it was up to the government to remove controversial items from LegCo's House Committee agenda if it wants to break the deadlock. Mr Kwok, who's presiding over the meeting, says threats to remove him won't break the political deadlock. There are controversial legislation on the agenda, the national anthem law being one of them, also the possible Article 23 legislation. Those are very concerning issues. Now, the government has powers in its hands in order to prioritize things. Do they really need national anthem law or Article 23 legislation? Now, these are questions which the government and the democratic legislators need to ask themselves and resolve. Now, if you want to get other things done, is it really necessary to prioritize certain legislation in front of others? A vice president of Beijing's top think tank on Hong Kong says the criticism of the pan-democrats' filibustering tactics by both the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office in Beijing and the Liaison Office in Hong Kong show that the central government takes the political situation in Hong Kong as very grave and serious. Lao Tzu Kai says he doesn't believe that the two agencies violated the basic law or breached the principle of one country, two systems. He says Hong Kong people should take the statement seriously if they want to protect the one country, two systems principle. According to one country, two systems, both the central government and the Hong Kong people are responsible for the successful implementation of one country, two systems. If Beijing finds that this one country, two system principle is under jeopardy or under threat, then I would say that Beijing under one country, two systems, under the basic law, under the Chinese constitution, can say something about the method which it concerns very much. The LegCo president, Andrew Leung, brushed aside criticism that the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office had meddled in the SAR's internal affairs with the comments. He said it wasn't up to him to judge whether the Civic Party lawmaker, Dennis Kwok, breached LegCo's rules for allowing the filibustering, but he said he would look at the case in accordance with LegCo's rules of procedure. The former chief executive, C.Y. Leung, also defended Beijing, saying the central authorities do have the power to condemn the lawmakers. On his Facebook page... Mr. Leung said the basic law stipulates the statutory duties of LegCo and the mini-constitution was formulated by the National People's Congress and authorised by the President. 
In other news, a pro-government group has demonstrated outside the High Court in another protest against Civic Party lawmaker Tanya Chan. She's been accused of violating the public gathering ban by meeting 40 bar industry representatives earlier this month. The group handed a petition to the Bar Association urging it to disqualify Ms Chan as a barrister. A U.S. government-funded study says dams on the Chinese Mekong River last year held back water from countries downstream that were suffering a drought. The Mekong begins in China and runs through Myanmar, Laos, Thailand, Cambodia and Vietnam. The research found water levels in parts of the drought-affected countries were up to three metres lower than they should have been. Beijing disagrees with the report. The U.S. Senator and former presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders has endorsed Joe Biden's campaign to take on Donald Trump in November's election. Senator Sanders pulled out of the contest to be the Democratic Party's nominee last week, leaving the former vice president as the only remaining candidate. On a live web stream, Senator Sanders called on all Americans to unite to defeat Mr. Trump. We've got to make Trump a one-term president, and we need you in the White House. So I will do all that I can to see that that happens, Joe. And and I know that there is an enormous responsibility on your shoulders right now. It's imperative that all of us work together. Donald Trump has angrily defended his handling of the coronavirus outbreak in the United States, which has killed 22,000 Americans. During a bad-tempered White House briefing, he said everyone who needed a ventilator had been given one. And Mr. Trump reacted angrily to criticism by reporters. I saved tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of lives by her name. That you bought. The argument is that you bought yourself some time. You didn't use it to prepare hospitals. You didn't use it to ramp up testing. Right you're so, now, you're so, you're so disgraceful. It's so disgraceful the way you say that. Let, let me just listen. I just went over it. A lot, a lot, and in fact, we'll give you a list. We did a lot. Look, look. You know you're a fake. You know that. President Trump also said he wouldn't be firing Anthony Fauci, the country's top infectious disease expert. He described him as a wonderful guy. Earlier, Mr. Trump retweeted a comment calling for Dr. Fauci to be fired. Here's the BBC's Peter Bowes. Speaking at the White House briefing, Dr. Fauci said he'd been answering a hypothetical question when he told a TV interviewer that lives could have been saved. He'd been responding to media coverage that suggested Donald Trump hadn't done enough to contain the virus. Dr. Fauci made it clear that the president had listened to him when he recommended mitigation efforts that included strict social distancing guidelines. During a sometimes contentious briefing, the president played a video for reporters defending his administration's response to COVID-19. The head of the World Health Organization has warned against the early lifting of restrictions imposed to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus said easing measures too quickly could lead to a resurgence in cases as the virus spread very rapidly but is slow to decelerate. Several countries are considering relaxing restrictions that have been in place for weeks as they bite into economic output. But Dr. Tedros said public health should be the main priority. Some countries are considering when they can lift these restrictions Others are considering whether and when to introduce them. In both cases, these decisions must be based first and foremost on protecting human health and guided by what we know about the virus and how it behaves. The French President Emmanuel Macron has extended the coronavirus lockdown for another four weeks until May the 11th. 
In a televised address, he said the current restrictions had slowed but not beaten the virus. He said schools would gradually reopen after the new extension, but restaurants would stay closed and there could be no festivals until mid-July. He thanked the French people for adhering to the restrictions. You have made the epidemic begin to stall. The results are there. Several regions have been spared. In the last few days, the number of people admitted into intensive care has decreased and hope is returning. France recorded nearly 600 deaths in one day, taking the total to just under 15,000. Portugal has announced it'll keep its land borders closed for another month as neighbouring Spain takes the first steps to allow more of the economy to reopen, is the BBC's Alison Roberts. Portugal and Spain closed their common border to all but goods traffic and commuting workers a month ago as the coronavirus started spreading rapidly in both. Since then, Spain has almost caught up with Italy in terms of infections and deaths, while Portugal has had only half as many cases relative to population. On Monday, its government announced that the border restrictions are to remain in place until May the 15th. Spain is now easing its lockdown, but Portugal is not doing so yet. Italy has become the second country to register more than 20,000 coronavirus deaths after the United States. Another 566 deaths were recorded in the most recent 24-hour period, just over half as many as two weeks ago. Britain, where the disease is currently at its deadliest in Europe, has registered 717 deaths in a day. A key advisor to the government, the chief scientific officer, Patrick Valance, said the worst was yet to come. We're tracking behind Italy we're following the same sort of path. What do I expect to see happen? I think this week's difficult. I think this week we're going to see a further increase. Thereafter, we should see a plateau as the effects of the social distancing come through. That plateau may last for some time and then begin to decrease. More than 80 Afghan charities and international organisations have made an urgent appeal for a full and immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Afghanistan as the virus threatens to overwhelm the country. Here's the BBC's Lise Doucette. This joint statement warns that Afghanistan now threatens to become one of the world's worst affected countries, which will intensify the global health crisis. Officially, the number of COVID-19 cases remains low, but there's little testing and little capacity and resources to treat the sick. And this deadly virus is spreading at a time when Taliban attacks are intensifying. There's a growing chorus of voices urging Afghans to stop fighting each other, to focus on their common enemy. Police in Kenya say they arrested dozens of people over Easter after finding them drinking in bars in violation of restrictions to fight the virus. Those held included a member of parliament, several police officers and a magistrate. A ninth person has died of COVID-19 in Kenya. The government says measures to control the virus, including a nighttime curfew and limits on public gatherings, will not be eased. And the authorities in Ukraine have closed an Orthodox Christian monastery in Kiev after two of its members died from COVID-19. The monastery Kiev Pachaskalavra, which is one of Ukraine's cultural treasures, has recorded more than 90 infections. That's a fifth of all cases in the city. Last month, the head of the complex said the virus was caused by human sin. China's foreign trade has fallen again with the pandemic weighing on the manufacturing powerhouse's outlook. New customs data shows that exports in March fell 6.6% from a year earlier. Imports dropped 0.9%. The contraction was less than the 10% fall that a Bloomberg economist had forecast for both imports and exports. 
Finance now. The currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 107.73 yen. The euro is one U.S. dollar and nine cents. The pound is nine Hong Kong dollars and 74 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 24,487, 187 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $58 billion. And now with the sport, is Adam Chung. The English Premier League football club Tottenham have reversed their controversial decision to use the UK government's job retention scheme during the coronavirus pandemic. The club say they'll now pay the full wages of their non-playing staff for April and May. Spurs had announced in the end of March that they would reduce the wages of 550 staff members by 20 percent while putting a number of staff on furlough. Chairman Daniel Levy says the club regrets any concern caused during an anxious time. Former Premier League striker Ian Wright says Spurs did the right thing by saying sorry. They've realised they're wrong and they've reversed it. That's why, like the Tottenham Hotspur fans, the supporters trust have got to get a lot of credit for the way they continued to push that. Meanwhile, Tottenham insists they won't be selling their star striker Harry Kane to a domestic rival this summer. More from the BBC's Simon Stone. Talk of Kane's future has intensified in recent days. Sources at the club have flatly rejected any notion of a deal during the transfer window, even if the bidding reached a world record £200 million. In Italy, the Syria president, Gabriel Gravina, hopes testing for all players could get the league back up and running as soon as possible. Syria has been suspended since March the 9th because of COVID-19. The BBC's Shoujo Saka has details. The Italian Football Federation uh, has now said that they hope all players could be tested at the start of May. Most leagues across Europe right now are looking at what's going on in Germany. And last week, the German teams became the first from Europe's top leagues to return to training. On to cricket now, a start date for the Indian Premier League remains on hold as the Indian Cricket Board wait to hear from the government about coronavirus lockdown measures in the country. The IPL had planned to open the season tomorrow, but that is now highly unlikely. The BBC's Rahul Tendon says cricketers are playing an important role in the fight against the virus. What we are seeing is Indian cricket players contributing to the Prime Minister's fund that has been set up, playing a very important role, I think, in education about coronavirus. In terms of the financial contribution that the franchises may be making, not too much of that, I think, at this particular point in time. The mother of NBA All-Star Carl Anthony Towns has died of COVID-19 after more than a month of fighting the virus. Jacqueline Cruz Towns has been a fixture at Minnesota Timberwolves games from the start of her son's career in 2015 when he was drafted first overall. The player posted an emotional video on Instagram three weeks ago, revealing that his mother was infected with the virus. He's also donated 100,000 U.S. dollars to a clinic in Minnesota for COVID-19 testing. And that's your look at sports. And that's the news from RTHK.
the traffic goes round and round, swallowing the road and spitting out clouds. And the spirit she hides on a damp path of moss and stone, from a fear we are born with and never outgrow. And what else you can keep? Your American cash and smile, and the suits sing. And welcome to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday, the fourteenth of April, is today's date. I hope you all had a wonderful Easter long weekend. And right now, hopefully, you are back at work or working from home and tuning into the One Two Three Show because we've got a great program for you for the rest of today. Just after half past one, we'll be chatting with fitness coach Nathan Solia once again. That's right, and we'll be chatting a little bit more about how to build your um, your fitness uh, through exercise and through other practices uh, such as meditation and visualizations. Uh, we really want you to join us as well. Feel free to uh, drop us an email. Our email address is one two three show 